0: September is Suicide Awareness Month. In this episode, my guest and I talk specifically about firearm suicide. What I appreciate about this conversation is that we learned we have a lot more in common than we might have initially thought, proving that while we might feel like we're worlds away from people who think differently than we do, when we sit down and talk with one another, often that's just not the case. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family and cardiovascular nurse practitioner. The information shared on this podcast is in no way intended as medical advice or as a substitute for medical treatment. There is a lot to discuss and learn. So let's start the show. Welcome back to the Purple Stethoscope, y'all. Um, I had a little break again because life just keeps on happening. And I know it's not just me. I know it's you too. So I refer you to the last episode, um, to just kind of regroup and ground and get ready for the week ahead. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to a subject about a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and I have to make a little confession. There are some topics that I have avoided purposefully, um, in the previous episodes of The Purple Stethoscope because they're sensitive topics and they're topics that I needed to learn not just more about factually, but also how to better talk about. Um, I never want to have a conversation with you all that is so biased that you're only getting my viewpoint and, you know, I don't know, potentially turn people away from the other uh, very unbiased healthcare information. Um, But this is a very close to home topic. You know, September is suicide, National Suicide Awareness Month. September 11 is my sister's birthday, who would have been 42 years old. However, at age 24, she took her life um, and she used a firearm to do so. So this is kind of a combination episode. We've talked about depression in the past. We've talked about loneliness. We've talked about men and and how it is to be a man through different stages and ages of life. We've talked about being a college student and being surrounded and alone. But we haven't really specifically talked about firearm suicide, and I wanna do that today. Because in 2019, of the almost 48,000 completed suicides, half were done with a firearm. Low-hanging fruit, Chicago this and gang-banging that. People use gun violence in our community as a way to counter um, very valid arguments for things like reparations. Uh, for education, for basic human rights. Um, it's always kind of tossed up there as this thing that's like, well, if then, if this, then that. But humanity is not negotiable. And, you know, in wanting to have this conversation, I had to really have some self-awareness, some insight about my very strong feelings against gun ownership against our lenient gun laws. I know that those are rooted in four years of working in an emergency department and losing a sister, my only sister, to firearm suicide. So I brought a guest today to have this conversation with me, someone who is educated, someone who is a veteran, someone who's a former police, someone who feels very differently about this topic than I do, to provide a more rounded and a less biased conversation. This is an important topic, and so I'm very excited to have Joy Turner with me on the Purple Stethoscope today. Welcome to the Purple Stethoscope, Joy. How are you?
1: Thank you for having me, Devin. Like you said, it's Sunday, and so you know I'm here. gave you a little halftime for, for my football watching, so I'm here oh, to talk yes. to you next week. And uh, especially about this issue, like you said, September is, you said, Suicide Awareness Month.
0: That's right.
1: And, you know, for me, sometimes I'm trying to think about what's the connection between the two. But, uh, you know, gun violence and suicide awareness, but I think you've already said it, is, you know, half of the suicides that were committed last year were committed with, with a gun. Yeah. Um, so they're directly related yeah. to each other.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I You know, I'm very biased in my feelings and I've been in healthcare for 25 years. And so my experience with guns is not a positive one. (laughs) Um, I've never been in a situation where I was endangered and somebody came in and saved the day because they had a firearm. I've only seen the worst of it. And the worst for me personally was losing my only sister. So it's really difficult for me to wrap my, my mind around a case for gun ownership, especially in our community, Joy, you know. Um, but, like I've said to you in previous conversations, gun ownership is American.
1: Very much so. I mean, and it's written directly in the Constitution of the United States. I don't think there are other things that we uh, try to convince people to do, you know, like you know, uh, not own guns or ban assault weapons that are, know, embedded in the Constitution in the United States and have been around for hundreds of years. Talk about, like, somebody's right to drive, for instance. That's not necessarily a constitutional right, um, but something like uh, what they call the willed-armed militia. And what's been uh, confirmed by the Supreme Court is also individual rights. So not only do you have to be a part of a will armed militia, but as an individual, it's been affirmed um, that you can own a gun in the United States. And so, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a part of our... Country's history, however short that history is, it's what we're founded on—a well-armed militia that defeated the British at the, you know, uh, starting from the Boston Tea Party through the American Revolution. It's it's what we believe patriots are all about—is you know, protecting. And so, like I, I hear you when you talk about which when you see guns every day, it's usually um, on the other side of something bad that's happened, especially when a person ends up in the hospital. But for me, uh, being in the military and then further being a military police officer, we learn to, you know, use a weapon like a gun, and that's you know that's the most lethal weapon. You know, as a military person or a, a police officer, you would carry all the way from your voice that you have, your emotional intelligence is a weapon, a baton is a weapon, but you know, like we're talking about, you also carry a gun, and so what I was taught. And what I believe is that they can be used to protect innocent people who don't or can't protect themselves. And so, you know, talking about September again uh, on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, uh, I think about me being a post 9-11 veteran and really, you know, seeing the powers fall down when I was maybe 13 or 14 and then feeling that need to protect my community. That's what guns have been for me i think that's part of the reason i wanted to become a, a military police officer is, uh the motto that i remember is is we were the 42nd and people brigade protectors or we were the you know our motto was to protect and serve not to use guns for ill intentions mm-hmm. um, and it was a last resort that's the highest level of escalation of force um, but i'll say I, I didn't grow up with guns in the house we up a single mother three brothers and I didn't touch a gun until the first first or second week after I joined the military. I was in military college. I always say it's, it's one of the first things you learn to do. You learn to salute, you learn to march in a line, and you learn how to hold your rifle. And so from then, I always, I've always seen it as a way to, to protect yourself. Um, and, you know, similarly, as a military police, carried a sidearm. And I, I remember pulling my sidearm, sidearm out once. In the six years I was a police officer, and that was uh for maybe twice, but you know like I can remember significantly was for a bomb threat. And so you know a bomb threat going into a building and you are not sure where the perpetrator is and the suspect is. You know, I went in with a squad with, with my with my gun unholstered and the safety yeah. off. But that was the only time. Yeah. Uh, that was a long story.
0: No, long. no, that was all really good. In fact, That's how I
1: thought, learned, think about guns is is uh, as a way to protect and, you know, I, I wish that the 33% of Americans who own guns uh, thought that way too. But what's different about the military and the average gun owner, so that a military service member, the average gun owner, is you don't learn how to shoot the gun until you learn how to hold it safely, until you learn how to put the safety on, until you learn that you never point it at somebody that you're not willing to in their life or that. You always point it in a safe direction, or that you keep your hand off the trigger until you're ready to pull that trigger. Those are, you don't learn, you don't shoot a bullet around down, downrange until you learn those basics. And I think that's something what's missing from the 33% of American governors.
0: Oh, I think that's hugely, hugely what's missing. I, I want to back up a bit because you're getting into the article, and we're definitely going to go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, you, you're you touching on something that um, reminds me in healthcare of a code. You know, nobody wants to do a code. No one wants to code somebody. No one wants to do CPR, compressions, ACLS medications to save a life. We want to do everything possible to prevent ever having to do that. We only do that when there's a life that's, in danger that's when those meds come out and the cpr comes out when there's no pulse it is one of those things where everyone's adrenaline is high closed loop communication is critical having hands are important but having brains is more important and it's one of those things
1: intelligence what's that Competency and
0: emotional intelligence is, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And when you leave, when you're done, you need a minute. You know, we all have to kind of come down. We have to debrief. Sometimes you're able to resuscitate the patient. Sometimes you're not. Um, I've been in a code that went on for an hour and 45 minutes, if you can imagine that, um, a young person Typically, you know, it's 20 minutes around, which still is an incredibly long amount of time to be that focused. But I say that because I've shot a gun before and I didn't like it. I've shot guns, I think, two or three times in my life and I didn't like it. It was too much responsibility. It was too too powerful, I felt. I'm a human. My emotions in a day range the gamut. I had an incident today where I, um, and this is completely off subject, but just an idea of like humanity, right? How we think and feel. Um, I took my sons and my niece to the mall. My niece is white. They've all grown up together from birth, right? But my sons are black. And taking them out now, the optics are a little different. And so I have this this kind of palpitations that I get, this fear in my heart. And I'm sitting here imagining what I would do if someone touched one hair on any of these children's heads. You know what I'm saying? And And that sounds so crazy to say out loud, but I'm a mom, okay? We think of things like this. And then I start thinking about recording with you and it's like, I don't need to own a gun. I am not the person and I'm pretty dang responsible. You know, I've got an advanced degree. I work in a professional field. I, I make pretty good choices. But the thing that really is frustrating for me is the quick choice the the choice that is so final, the choice that doesn't require a lot of preparation, but there can be a lot of aftermath. And so, again, I just I know that I'm a little bit skewed because I don't see guns ever positively. Um, in fact, with all the mass shootings that we've had. I haven't read the story of any armed citizen taking the shooter out. So it's it's difficult for me, but I think you said something really key. You said that you never touched a gun until it was in training. You learned how to hold the gun before you learned how to do anything else. And in six years as a military police, you only had your gun unholstered one time. I think that... I was trying to like find somebody to have this conversation with that was going to, you know, really come full swing against my ideas or how I feel and when we'd stick to facts, but I actually don't think we're that different in how we think about guns. I think like you said the difference is that 33% of people who could kind of go either way, who don't have the training or the trauma. Um we read an article in the October issue of The Atlantic called Responsible Gun Ownership is a Lie. How to convince Americans that firearms won't make them safer. There are a lot of statistics in this. Um, Of course, almost half of the 48,000 completed suicides in 2019 being firearm suicide. that 33-ish percent of gun owners uh, of of americans and gun owners with 36 percent adamantly against it and uh, i'm sorry 30 percent of american adults owning a gun and this is according to a pew research center survey 33 percent rejecting the idea of gun ownership and 36 percent uh, not happening to own a gun at the time of the survey, but not against it in the future. I want to um just recap a little bit of this article with you because I want to know what this means. I have nieces and nephews who've grown up in the mass school shooting era, and they're traumatized. In fact, uh, one of my nephews actually kind of went off on a Facebook post like, can you guys please stop posting this stuff? You know? Um, And and he was, well, I won't go into his detail, but he was heavily affected by a school shooting. Um, The article talks about, in 2020, Americans bought more than 23 million firearms, up 65% from 2019. I just have to full stop there. You know, I wish
1: surprised whatsoever I remember on my um, regular uh, route from um, the grocery store home over the course uh, of 2020 that you're talking about that I'll be honest every time a stimmy check hit there was a line outside the gun store there was a line outside or whether it was the first of the month so when people were getting paid and so this isn't people who you know are upper-middle-class, upper-class you know class people. These are people who are, who are living paycheck to paycheck because sure. they're buying the guns with their paycheck. They're not buying with their savings. And so, you know, every time there was an infusion of money over the last year, you know, we've been living through the pandemic, um, living through uh, an election, that a good portion of the United States population still believes what is invalid and that uh, former President Trump won. And so... I think, you know, and I'm a big fan of the doomsday preppers. I I like looking at their ideas, you know, the storing of food, the building of uh, bunkers and stuff like that, um, just for survival ideas. Um, That has become more and more realistic as people realize, hey, wait a minute. January 6th, people stormed the Capitol. They were inside the government of the United States with Confederate flags. So if they can storm the Capitol, if they can set up CHOP, the Capitol Hill um, occupation, chad whatever they call it, chad's occupied zone autonomous zone in seattle and take over if civilians can take over a city block and keep the police out if they can you know be at the seat of government looking through the third fourth most, most powerful person in the country's desk they can certainly come in my house and so it's i wouldn't i wouldn't even say it's, a, it's an invalid fear but i'm not surprised that people in 2020 more people in 2020 were buying guns that's
0: surprised at all. Thank you for just recapping that because I think so much has happened, so many really significant events and so much trauma and drama from COVID to the election to the shootings, to, it's just like, it's all kind of a blur to me, but that's exactly right. We started 2020. I, I will never get that image out of my head no more than the planes flying into the twin towers will i forget sitting i don't even know where i think i was at work i believe i was at work with my laptop up on the news live watching a person waving the rebel flag through um yeah uh, yeah at the at the capitol building and that um yeah I, I don't have words. I'm, I'm speechless. Um, okay. So that, that's how we kicked off 2020. We kicked off 2020 with, with the feelings that you just described. Okay. How, though, does that translate into you feeling like they could certainly come to your house? Why would anyone want to come to your house? Why would anyone want to come to my house? We don't represent... In- you know, what I'm
1: telling you why. Because for weeks, people in Texas didn't have power and didn't have food.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, if you have starving children, and you know your neighbor has has some, you're gonna go get it. We don't have power. You know, Hurricane Ida's flooding up and down the East Coast. You're gonna go to your neighbor, and if they don't want to give you the food, there are some people who will take it when the grocery stores are empty. Toilet paper. Yeah. The rich country in the world, we didn't have enough toilet paper. These are things that I, sh- that shouldn't have happened. And so that, you know, that's 2020 again, 2021, there are ongoing riots. There are people going into the, into capitals, um, every week, uh, uh you know, opposing the mask mandate. Nothing has changed. And that's, it's unfortunate. I don't want, I don't mean to sound like a, uh, a, a, <laughs> a pessimist, but you know, that, that unfortunately we're in a time of unrest and so I, I can uh, totally understand the increase in in gun sales. And and you say why guns? Why not? You know, you know, people just build fortresses around their houses. You know, isn't that doesn't that make more sense? Why don't they just stop going outside if that's the case? Like stop, you know, making yourself vulnerable. Well, you have to match force, is what I say. So if you know that thirty three percent of the country has a gun, there's a thirty three percent chance that the person coming to get you whether it's because of a national pandemic or because um, they like your car, has a gun, you want to be among that 33% who can defend yourself, especially if you have the means to, meaning you can buy a gun, you can safely store it, and you know how to use it. Why? You know, that's a principle, again, we learn match force. You're not going to yell at somebody if they're pointing a lethal weapon at you and you can do something different, like run or... And pointed a weapon back at them. This
0: is so um, wild to me.
1: Force. Magical force. and yeah.
0: My if my neighbors are hungry, I'm going to go in my cabinet and get some food and share it with them or make a big meal and have them sit in my home and eat with me. I just where what planet are we on? Did you hoard
1: toilet paper, Devin?
0: I don't wanna be gross and I don't want I Okay. I'm gonna be honest, cause there were times in my life where I was incredibly poor. My family didn't have anything. I don't think toilet paper is a necessity. I, you know what I'm saying? No, I did not yes. hoard toilet paper I'm just because with
1: you. What's that? I said I will not disagree with you because <laughs> definitely not
0: a necessity. It's funny when we went to Ghana, I I packed the kids these gallon Ziploc bags and they had all these different things in their backpack and I was putting the little tied, you know, um, single use things so we could hand wash our clothes and toilet paper. And my mm-hmm. kids are like, mom, what are you doing? And I just realized like these kids don't understand what a necessity is and what isn't. There's no promise of these things being there. And when we got there, you know, it, it, it was it was the toilet paper was a toss up and they were like, oh, thank you so much, mom. I'm so glad you thought of this. And it's just like, yeah, it, we're we're American. We think that these things are just like necessary for life and they're not. Um, so, no, I didn't hoard toilet paper. I didn't hoard anything. Um, I, I worked. <laughs> I worked um, a lot. And I just, I think that, I don't know, I, I, I fear that something has changed in our psyche, that we don't see each other as neighbors anymore, that we do see each other as enemies. And that's another, another rabbit hole and tangent that I could go way all off on. But it, it makes me, it makes me really sad um, because we can take care of each other. We have a lot, like the average one of us has a lot. And we may not see it that way because we're used to a standard of living that is better, or greater, or, uh, you know, higher than most of the world. But we have a lot. We have enough, you know, even if we don't have an excess. So I, I didn't see the lines around the gun shops, but I, I don't, I, you know, my route was pretty direct straight to work and straight home for a good long while. Um, I want to switch gears. Because we are talking about suicide awareness. So I want to share some numbers about just that. And all my devices are tied up right now. So let me just pull this up just really quickly. I ha- Well, I have it pulled up here. But I want to talk about who's at risk for suicide. Because again, the purpose of the Purple Stethoscope is to raise health literacy and promote health in our community. And so I shared some numbers about homicide and about suicide amongst black males. Those being the number one cause suicide, or I'm sorry, homicide being the number one cause of death ages one to 44 and suicide being number two for one to 19 and number three for um, 20 to 44 with accidental injuries as number two. And I I can't help but wonder how many of those accidental injuries and homicides and suicides involved um, the use or misuse of a firearm. One thing that was said in this article was that most of the time, if people um, have a, a failed attempt at suicide, they never complete suicide. But guns make it so much easier to complete it that impulse that moment of despair goes from being a moment to being an eternity and I having lived almost 18 years without my sister I I wish not a single household had a gun in it except for people like you who were properly trained um, to use them properly stored them and understood the purpose of a weapon of defense not you know for intimidation of an ex-lover an ex-spouse like the article talked about not for a backyard barbecue dispute or something you know it's just it just seems like it just makes it so much easier to have these mass shootings and these accidents and these moments of rage that turn into a family in despair., um, I was getting <laughs> I was getting numbers, sorry uh, about about suicide. And I'm just gonna go with some numbers from um, from the last time I, I recapped them. So you all can probably find. The most up-to-date stuff at NAMI, the National Alliance of the Mentally Ill, NAMI. But, you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation. I've heard people say things like, black folks don't commit suicide. We don't do that. And I find that really interesting because suicide has to do with hopelessness. And if anybody has a reason to feel
1: hopeless. We got a lot of that.
0: We've got a a lot of that.
1: But a lot of hopelessness. You got to get to the resilience. And that's why when I hear you talk about um, suicide awareness and its links to gun violence, I think, you know, uh, as someone who studied public policy, the framing around these issues has been all wrong. It's been politicized. So gun violence is a political issue Mm -hmm. when it should be a public health issue. Suicide awareness has never been a public health crisis. And that's exactly what it should be. Like we, these things need to have a public health framing, just like climate change has Mm -hmm. started to have a public health uh, framing around it. And, you know, when you you can push it in that direction, I think we get away from whether you're a Democrat or Republican, but it's like, how do we make our community healthy? Um, And so if it's a, I, I think if it's a public health issue and we talk about gun safety being the thing, and mental health care yes. being the solution. Yes. Um, I, if we can't get people to turn in their guns, uh, and one of, the, one of the other things the article talked about was cultural shaming, which I hope we could talk about that, shaming people into doing these sorts of things. Uh, um, then we, we have to look at it for what it is, um, an epidemic, uh, not a, right. v- a viral one, but an epidemic of guns, unlike any other country in the world. We have an epidemic of gun violence. And like any other other epidemic, the response cannot be political. It has to be right. health in mind.
0: Yeah,
1: And health for me, especially when we talk about suicide awareness, is I, I'm so fortunate um, to have had ex- access to mental health services when I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and been told enough times that your brain and the health of it is, is as important as your body, especially in the military they need you to be ready to deploy. So, yeah, you're going to get that taken care of. And it, it's gotten to that point. It wasn't always perfect, but I think we're good to that point because um, suicide in the military became, we, they saw it for what it was, a, a public health issue, a mental health issue, yeah. not an issue of somebody who's weak, um, but someone who needed access to that care. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, some, some folks might find it weird to make the leap between gun violence, but I think especially with our community, Damn! How many how many people can we help in our community right. with access to a lot of services they need? Right. Um, or they, they don't need the gun, or the gun is for like w- what I like guns for, um, precision practice, and you know when I'm going out camping, and I want, you know, a, a something for if a big animal comes comes up on me. Um, we, I think we can get to that. How do we frame it though,
0: I don't like that. I can see I, if the animal comes in your house, I can see it. But you going in the animal's house and then you're going to shoot him right? because a snack comes through? Come on now.
1: <laughs> I'm we, we can't share.
0: Maybe bears be all up and down. 30%. That's the rate of depression amongst black youth. 30, I'm sorry. The rate of depression amongst black youth is 30% higher than average for their non-black age group. Um, Half of all lifetime mental health conditions begin by age 14 and 75% by age 24. I think that's important because brains aren't fully developed until age 25. So imagine having a not fully developed brain being depressed or having another kind of mental illness or mood disorder and having access to a gun. Um, I thought it was interesting. Lesbian, gay and bisexual adults are twice as likely as heterosexual adults to experience mental illness and three times as likely to experience a serious mental illness. Um, and I and I think of that as a correlation, not a causation. It, it's the environment. It's not <laughs> the people, right? Um, and I and I should say, you know, you can always text Nami N A M I to seven four one seven four one or call 273 talk. I tell people to um, save that number in their phone as a name that they will remember in a crisis. You know, um, crisis and the name or. However, you're going to remember to pull it up in your phone to save that. You know, you touched you touched on resilience. I don't know if I want to go here or not. I'm going to go here. <laughs> I've been struggling in other work that I'm doing about race being pathologized and not racism, which is the actual disease, right? Resilience. You know, is it? Oh, yeah, I don't know if I can go there. I, I just, I feel like. I feel like it, it, it's really close to feeling like um, a victim-blaming kind of a thing for me. Like, when I hear that, I, I feel like, oh, so people are dying because they're not resilient? Or are they dying because they have access to a deadly weapon in a moment of despair? Yeah, anyway, just throwing I don't out.
1: disagree. Um, But what I remember... I'm going to bring it up since he did, the cultural shaming of yeah. what the article touched on was uh, specifically drunk driving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember watching old movies and, you know, the guys racing down the highway It's somebody like Clark Gable and he's got a, a glass of whiskey in one hand and the steering wheel in the other. Or, <laughs> you know, we've even popularized uh, uh, of country music. You know, that's, you know, I'm driving down the street in my blue truck with a beer in my hand. You know, that's that's popular culture. Um, and people had to be shamed into not drinking and driving to the point where now you can. There's a kill. you know, you, you can tell people, hey, you're, you're not going to drive because of the consequences. Yeah. Uh, and it's reached not only, uh, you know, Average Joe levels of society, but you know, one of the stories I read about uh, a real wealthy family in South Carolina, uh, family of uh, you know state attorneys generals, their son was driving a boat drunk and crashed it, and you know the the, the town basically shunned the whole family because they were trying to let them get away with it. Um, and so I think there's the there is no cultural shame, at least for a good uh, portion of the population, I would venture to say the 30% to 50%. Um, we got 30% who say they they might or could see themselves owning a gun and 30% who already do. So let's just, I don't know how statistics works, so but let's just say 50% are fine with guns. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so how do you shame shame those people into into, into restricting gun rights?
0: Um, I don't want to shame anyone into restricting it. I want to shame people into <laughs> learning how to shoot
1: that's and and that's what i'm getting to is so there wasn't just these other terrible effects of drunk driving that i remember i remember mad in school but i also Mm -hmm. remember so there's that education piece about the effects of drunk driving okay so i'm gonna
0: pause you because i get aged all the time (laughs) mad is mothers against drunk driving Yes, And D.A.R.E. Please. is drug abuse resistance education <laughs> in case yes. on the off chance that any Gen Z folk listen to the purple <laughs> stethoscope. Also, when you are talking, this is so funny when you were talking about that culture of drinking and driving. And you're probably too young to even remember this. The Wind in the Willows. It was like the first kind of um, almost um, Toy Story like animation movie when I was a kid. And Mr. Toad was driving drunk in this kid's movie.
1: probably had bubbles coming out of his mouth.
0: And so- He was like, this is the only way to travel. And they had to, like, get him out of it. It was just like, I think about these things that were so normal um, when I was a kid. And now you're right. Totally shamed out of it. So for me, I'm just like, I don't want anyone to feel bad because they exercise their constitutional right to own a gun. What I want is for them to stop letting their children get a hold of them I want them to stop leaving them in such a manner where their teenagers can take their lives, where they can take, I want to stop. Who's going to the gun rage Uh, in the inner city? Nobody. Uh, Okay.
1: and Unfortunately, um, I don't think again, and this is why D.A.R.E. was in schools because there are not, there are not circumstances where you can, Rely or expect the parent to have that educational knowledge to to teach either. So, Dare was in school. You know what else I remember? Reduce, reuse, recycle. So, if your parents didn't
0: reduce, reuse, yes,
1: at the beginning of this climate change, this climate change uh, culture, reduce, Mm. reuse, recycle. The posters in the class. And so, how many how many government Mm. uh, programs in the schools have you seen? There might exist about suicide prevention. Or, or gun safety. The government makes kids, uh, in most states, take a driver's ed course before they can get on the road and pass a driver's test.
0: Yeah.
1: Why can't, if, if it's such an epidemic.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, and, and I say it's a public health issue, just like, you know, MAD and D.A.R.E. and Reduce, Reuse, Recycle.
0: Yeah.
1: Gun safety in the classroom. And you see, we're mandated to send our kids to, from eight, eight, 8 to 10. That, that, eight to ten hours a day
0: they're at school I am sorry okay so I'm just gonna this is just a counterpoint because I'm a nerd I've always liked chemistry I've always liked biology I was in the fourth grade taking notes at Dare. I remember this. I had my piece of paper split down the middle and horizontally, and I had my uppers over here, my downers over here. Oh like what? And I was so interested. It was so fascinating to me. I knew nothing about drugs, and I can literally tell you everything I learned about recreational drugs until you know they were introduced later in life, um, socially or with peers. I learned through Dare. Now if, if if there's a young Devin in a class who's learning all this about guns they're going to go home and say, "Hey, do we have a gun?" Maybe they're going to go home. I'm, I'm I'm making myself a very responsible 10-year-old right now. Maybe they're going to go home and say, "Mom, dad, have you taken a class on this?" Um, what about and
1: those exist. They do. No Ten-year-olds who's going to go home and instead of accidentally picking it up because they don't know any better, pointing at it. Oh, let me just do anything with it. At least, like you said, they took notes and they might know now to point it in a safe direction. But mm. we can't tell the government to change the laws about gun safety and making suicide prevention a public health crisis. If we're saying, "Oh, but don't do it in the schools. Don't don't do it for K to twelve. You gotta no, you gotta just you. take guns. You gotta." change the law well they did create drunk driving laws but again they also said kids don't drink and drive because these are your effects you want to lose your arms and legs you want to you know kill four or five people and be in jail for the rest of your life
0: they had a commercial when i was a kid where this guy's driving and he grabs the beer can and he turns into a skeleton in his Shh. car. <laughs> you know, they were kind of dirty how they did us kids because I was just like, daddy.
1: here, the fear of...
0: Oh, oh yeah. I, I had to have a whole lecture towards my dad and my parents used to just sigh and roll their eyes and be like, good grief. Here we go. But it worked. I used to smoke. I loved menthol cigarettes. You
1: know what Oh, I can't do anymore? What? And I never did, of Text and drive. It is, you are shame
0: now. You should be.
1: You are I, I said i never did it okay <laughs> it, and it, it should text and drive and even kids know that yeah kids are being taught. Not, there are signs kids are being taught not to text and drive yeah and they don't even have phones Yeah. they don't have phones or cars
0: more kids have phones than you might think it's kind of insane they do. They
1: do.
0: it's stressful <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> but I'm i say it again it um, was my kid that came home and was just like telling me, like, I couldn't touch a cigarette because this kid, and I never smoked in the house. I didn't smoke in the car with my kid in the car, but it was like, you know, that's drugs and you know, this, this, and you know, and it's like, I knew all that, but for, for some reason, when you have to set an example for a little person or maybe the only person who you're an actual hero to, a superhero to... Um, their shame is better than any, <laughs> than any adult <laughs> shaming. Good point. Good point. out you know, the
1: text and drive because they see you pulling out your phone. And yeah. If I could
0: turn right, you know. Joy, this has been a really a great conversation. I appreciate you coming and putting some responsible perspective on this issue that just gets so heated. I wanted to throw something else out that I thought was interesting in the article, and that was that more people go to a ballet than go hunting in a year. And so um, I just thought, all these reasons that we say to protect ourselves, to protect our families, to go hunting, it's all crap, but, but there is a good percentage of the population that's undecided. And I want, you know, I would like it if you as somebody, because I can't do this part, right? I'm going to say never buy a gun. Don't have it in your house. The chances of you taking your life or an accident happening are exponentially greater than the chances of you defending yourself in a burglary or a rape. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say to somebody who's undecided. But for someone like yourself, a veteran, a mother, a gun owner, former police, what would you say to the approximately 34 percent of american 36 percent of undecided americans especially during times where there's so much racial tension our demographic as a nation is changing rapidly and there's fear that comes with that um We are so divided on so many issues, but this one is a constitutional right that we have. So what do you say to the 36% of people who are starting to feel a little antsy on this topic? Do they- What do I say? Do you buy the gun? They may or may not.
1: I think um, when you asked me that question, Um, my first thought goes to, um, my beliefs and values outside of even gun ownership. And it's, um, I think what my mom told me, probably what a lot of people's moms tell them, whether they listen or not, is treat people how you want to be treated. Um, so, you know, whether you choose to own a gun or not, you're that 30% who's deciding. Um, don't. Holster that weapon to your side, go to a gas station, park next to a car playing loud music, and choose to take a teenager's life because you're in a bad mood. The gun you carry is as dangerous as leaving a car in park and letting it drift down the highway. Getting out, just walking away letting it drift down the highway. It's as dangerous as having a home daycare, I, I'm going to try not to get too here, but I'm trying to understand because you explained this earlier with shooting a gun. How how it felt? It's it's I think it's 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 paramount. It, it, it's it's the same as you know leaving the oven on uh, with a bunch of babies in the kitchen. It would be irresponsible to own a weapon that can take somebody's life um, and not understand that the gravity and the magnitude of decisions you make when you pull it out and you, and you, and you, uh, aim it at someone. So I say that, um, I wish that in many ways the United States could have a do over and we could be a country, um, that wasn't founded on the right to bear arms. I wish they could have left that part out. Mm. Um, and that, you know, maybe there was a smudge and they couldn't read it when it came time. Uh, because we see many other countries around the, the world where the right to bear arms isn't the case and, and they do just fine. Um, so I think it's one of the ultimate responsibilities that should not be taken lightly. Um, but it goes back to, like, the rule. You, if, you, if you decide to carry it, um, you know, put yourself on the other side of that barrel. and uh know what that feels like that that's what
0: i say. yeah thank you joy i i say (laughs) in the in the words of the infamous john witherspoon live to fight another day yeah that's just the way i think of it there's so many choices that we have in a day but most of the time we get a second chance and when it comes to pulling a trigger and a gun there might not be um yeah, what a! I still think it's the greatest country in the world. I do
1: too. <laughs>
0: Despite all of our goofiness, you know that's kind of the beauty of it is we get to sort this stuff out. We get to fix it. Yeah. We
1: can't. We've seen our country's problems get better. Now I'm not gonna say they all fix, but we've seen laws change, um, policy develop. Yeah. Uh, this country shift. It's still a young country. We That's can do right.
0: it. We can do it. We can both with,
1: with providing the care that people need, mm-hmm. the love, what you know, the long list of things that it takes to thrive, survive, um, and making the place where we live the best place to care be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. Also, I'm, I'm thinking about just suicide and suicide awareness and. I just want listeners to know that we all have bad days and we all have moments of despair and they don't have to be the end. You know, the only person that can prevent your suicide is you. And so I would encourage anybody, there's a lot to be depressed about right now. There's I've, I spoke with, two different people in the past 24 hours, one um, husband just died from COVID. Um, People were, they were waiting um, for FDA approval of the vaccines and then in that waiting period got swayed majorly and you know, now her 46 year old otherwise healthy husband is dead. And then I talked to another friend this morning whose mother is in the ICU. Um, for this is week three Um, and and you know the information that we get is so polarized it's so politicized I am a eternal optimist I think that most people are doing the best they can with what they have but when what we have is so divisive when what we have is so polarized and what we have is so hateful we can't make a good decision We often end up paying for it later and saying things like, if I only knew, I wish. I want to just say to people who feel confused, discouraged, depressed, hang on, hang on. Reach out to your friends, to your family. Reach out to your loved ones. Um, Check out NAMI. I'll put it in the show notes. Look for online mental health care, virtual health care, over the telephone. You don't have to leave your house anymore. And a lot of insurance companies are providing these services at low and no cost right now because they're aware of what people are going through. You don't have to die. And, um, to my fellow suicide survivors, I love you. I see you. I am you. It's awful. Um, and, uh, you know, we, the only people that can prevent suicide are the people um, who themselves are suicidal. So please release yourself of any guilt, um, any regret. Um, There's nothing we can do now but raise the awareness and spread the message of love and acceptance. Joy, it's been a pleasure. It's been a super pleasure. Thank
1: you very much. Very encouraging words. I always appreciate
0: it. I appreciate it as well. I appreciate the the other perspective on this gun thing, um, I don't know that I'll ever come around to being a gun owner, but I understand gun owners a little better after talking to you. And you know what? Maybe it's time to get something on the ballot for gun safety in the schools. We can do yes, that. Yes, There we go. We can do that. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, Joy. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you want to comment, um, please find me on social media, D, the NP, on Instagram. Send me a message. Put a message in the comments. Let me know if your thoughts about gun ownership have changed after listening to some of the statistics thrown out, some of the conversation we just had. Also, if you guys didn't know, I'm doing some health literacy classes. And the monthly class is always free. The next one coming up is September 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be talking about preventative care planning, my favorite subject, establishing care, how to find a primary care provider, and how to get the most out of a healthcare visit. A scattered visit is frustrating for both the patient and the provider, but I can give you some tools to make your visit seamless and for you to leave with what you need. So, if you want to register for that free class, just go into the link in my bio. I'm pretty sure it's at the bottom of the show notes as well, and you can register for that. That's all I have for you this week. Thank you for listening. And until next time, in as much as you're able to, eat fresh and dance. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon. If you liked what you heard, why don't you share this episode or even write a review? You can find me on social media at D the NP. And if you want access to exclusive content, head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work.